Just remember where you are right now when you hear this news. CNN Plus is folding. This will, you will mark this time and day now for the rest of your life. CNN Plus is no more. We hardly knew ye. Welcome to the program. Happy Thursday. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here, and you can email Pete at the Pete Callender Show. And you can also hit me up on the Twitter machine, where I live at Pete Callender. At Pete Callender. Uh, also, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. In the next hour, uh, we're going to talk with Corey uh, Valencourt. He is a reporter uh, from Western North Carolina, and uh, he's with the Smoky Mountain News. And we're going to talk with him about the latest uh, in the uh, the primary fight. They had a debate, and uh, this is in the congressional race. The seat currently held by Madison Cawthorn. And it's uh, kind of funny. I, uh, Corey posted on Twitter earlier that uh, he was going to be on the program, and... <laughs> He's gotten uh, he's, he got some replies to it from people who remember me from up there and are not happy with me, and they were not happy with me up there. So uh, one of them says, um, because Corey made mention of the fact that uh, Pete was a panelist when uh, the Smoky Mountain News and the Blue Ridge Public uh, Radio did the candidate forum, uh, the first of like three between Madison Cawthorn and his Democratic opponent at that time in 2020, Mo Davis, Colonel retired Colonel Mo Davis. And uh, Corey said it seems like a lifetime ago, but it's only been not even two years. But it seems like a lifetime ago. And then he started getting, you know, the angries. Oh, yeah, where I remember Pete was completely nonpartisan with his questions. Sigh. Pete isn't a journalist. He's infotainment. That was, I think that's an attempt at, at, a, at an insult. But <laughs> uh, first off, uh, my questions were nonpartisan. I asked both candidates about tweets that might alienate or offend half of the people they wish to represent. Uh, Mo Davis was fantasizing about murdering conservatives. And Trump supporters. Remember the guy who tweeted about uh, you need to, you know, stomp on their necks and grind the heel until you hear the snap of bones. So they, yeah, so they know who hit them or something. And this was just one of many that I found. And when I went to the, as a panelist, I got to ask like three questions or two questions. Uh, and I asked Davis about his tweets. I said, why should anybody have uh, why should anybody on the right, but you know, want you as their representative? If this is the way you see them and talk about them, and then I said to Madison Cawthorn, you know, Donald Trump has said these things that have alienated the other half of the constituents. So, like, how do you address them, and and how are you going to represent these people who are deeply offended by what he said? Because Cawthorn didn't really have much of a social media presence anyway. That's I thought that was a fair question. Now, he is right. I'm not a journalist. And I make that very clear. If people try to say, oh, you're a journalist, I'm not. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a reporter. And I was. I used to be. I was a reporter. I should actually do do the math on this to find out now. Have I been a host longer than I was a reporter? It was roughly a decade. And I don't know where the split was, but I think it's a, 
it was over a decade because from what ninety nine through um twenty two thousand nine yeah because there were years yeah so yeah so ten years so now I've been a host longer than I was a than I was a radio journalist but I do agree also. I am infotainment. I am informative and entertaining. At least one of the two. I always try to be one of the two. Hopefully both, but sometimes I miss the mark. That's true. Then I got this other one that said, um, oh, their Twitter handle is, these keystrokes kill fascists. <laughs> That's what. I'm not sure keystrokes can do that, but um, this person says, Pete was smart, alert, informed, but he was clearly a right-wing operative. Regularly, I was, I'm was. i a right-wing operative to this person. Uh, regularly offering up a local version of Limbaugh on his radio show. I acknowledge his talent. Well, thank you very much. These keystrokes kill fascists. Um, I acknowledge his talent, but he should not have been included on the debate panel. And, you know, I pointed out that I was not the only one on the panel. There were two other people. Mark Barrett, he was a former reporter for the Asheville Citizen Times, and then he went to work for, um, I think he's at a publication called Mountain Express, which was uh, sort of like the creative loafing. You remember that? Uh, creative, uh, Yeah, in Charlotte they had creative loafing, although that folded. Uh, Mountain Express, he went to write for them. So, yes, he's a journalist. He was a reporter, and he asked similarly nonpartisan-type questions. Uh, and then there was another individual who was a diversity and equity and inclusion consultant person or on the payroll of a college and also did some marketing stuff on the side, but a social justice warrior type. They, they didn't mention whether or not that person was nonpartisan or not. But that was the point. Corey Valancourt at Smoky Mountain News and Blue Ridge Public Radio, which broadcasted. Um, and at this point, by the way, I was just a podcaster. Right, I wasn't even on the radio any longer. I was a podcaster. It was 2020. So um, he put together, I thought, a balanced panel. That, like, That's what we see at the national level, why the Republicans are now walking away from the presidential uh, debate commission, right? They don't want to be subjected to these biased panels. Now, if you were to put, you know, balance or equal time put put a lefty put a righty and then like my view like personally my view on debates honestly is i would rather ask not even a question i would rather just throw out a topic and then let the two candidates discuss and try to keep them you know on the rails and try to keep them balanced in time but to not but to not be constantly trying to move the uh, the conversation to a different question. I would be fine with a very lengthy debate that doesn't actually have any of me in it. You would get, you know, those types of discussions between candidates. The problem is a lot of candidates do not want to have those discussions, all right? That's that's part of the issue. Um that I think is yeah, I I kind of think that's what's going on at the Senate level. Ted Budd not appearing. What, what else? I mean, he's leading in the polls. So, I mean, I understand the strategy. Why bother going to a debate if you're leading in the polls? If you can win without ever debating, uh, that's a strategy. But, you know, honestly, 
I don't really care to read the the tweet responses to questions from his campaign staff. I'd rather hear from him. I made this argument a couple days ago. It still stands. I need to know if he's going to be able to hold his own on the floor of the Senate, but also up against Sherry Beasley in the general election. Unless, of course, the strategy is to not debate her either. I don't know. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Speaking of debates, the three Democratic candidates for Mecklenburg County Sheriff are going to be debating live here on WBT Tuesday, April 26th. The debate is hosted by the Fraternal Order of Police. It's going to be moderated by WBT's Brett Jensen. And uh, the candidates participating are the sheriff, Gary McFadden, the incumbent, uh, as well as uh, his two challengers, Gina Hicks and Marquis Robinson. Mark, I really do need to find out how he pronounces that. I'm not the, is it Marquise? Somebody let me know. Send me an email, Pete, at thepetecallendershow.com or um, hit me up on Twitter, at Pete Callender, or just call 704-570-1110. And just let me know if you, if you happen to know for sure. Don't guess. I'm not looking for guesses on how he pronounces the name. Um, and uh, so just a reminder, this is going to be Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. until 8 p.m. commercial free here on WBT. So last night on Spectrum News, they hosted a candidates debate between uh, three of the four uh, top candidates running for U.S. Senate. The one that's actually in the lead, former Congressman Ted Budd, not there. He was invited, as he has been invited to all of the debates, but he refuses uh, to go. This would be the third debate that he has skipped. Uh, The other candidates that did appear, former Congressman Mark Walker, former Governor Pat McCrory, and uh, Marjorie Eastman, uh, Army combat veteran. Uh, And so they debated, but it was on Spectrum and I don't get Spectrum. I'm on AT&T. So, <laughs> well, they got, the, they got the fiber, you know, they got the interweb. And I need that more than I need the television. So I, was not, I, I did not watch the debate last night. So I cannot tell you how they all did. My position on Congressman Ted Budd is it's not changing. It hasn't changed, which is I've interviewed him. I, I, I would vote for him. But I need to see how he performs in a debate. And I don't think that it's fair to ask your voters to not, you know, to vote, uh, to cast a vote for you and not have you perform so they see how well you do. I don't think that's very fair. I don't know. I'm kind of old fashioned like that, I guess. Um, So let's see. I've got two different stories, though, Uh, here. One by uh, I think this is. Charles Duncan, yeah, by Charles Duncan at Spectrum News. And then I've got the piece by Brian Anderson, formerly of the Associated Press, now over at WRAL. And I actually just had a bit of a back and forth with him about the critical race theory description that he uh, included in his story, which he also kind of lifted right from his old AP story, which I guess, can you plagiarize yourself? (laughs) Uh, No, I'm sure. Look, here's a peek behind the curtain. A lot of the language that gets incorporated in stories in the news that uh, where the story has legs, as we like to say, in the biz, 
The story continues over the course of, you know, days, weeks, months, years, whatever. And so as the story develops and there become, uh, there be, you know, new information becomes available as, as, as we go, they will sort of hone a description, a summation of a particular aspect of the story that occurred initially. And then they will start including this boilerplate language. Because the idea is the same thing in, you know, broadcast. You want to say what you want to say in as few words as possible so you have more time to say other things. And same thing in print, right? You want to you want to cut down the the body of the story and use as few words as possible so you can include more aspects of the story. That's the theory. And so a lot of times they will develop sort of a boilerplate summation or or description of something or an event and then that just kind of gets picked up and repeated throughout the whole history of that story and and you'll see it over the course and when you keep track of stories you keep following stories you'll start noticing the same language keeps popping up and this was a good example of it uh the way he described critical race theory so uh first though let me get to the the big topics as cited by spectrum news that hosted the debate They said inflation, which they also had polling on, student loans, which they also had polling on, war in Ukraine, immigration, election integrity, and critical race theory. Those were the the big debates, or the big issues, rather. WRAL pegged CRT, student debt, uh, election integrity, support for the next nominee, and outside spending. So we'll get into the details of the reporting of the debate. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. That's Jet. 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. I got some live ones. I got some live ones. I told you earlier the... The the lefties from Western North Carolina, that's really, that's how you know you made a lasting impact. You know, if you're ever curious about it, when they're still mad about a question you asked about what a guy said, using his own words, reading his tweet back to him, and they're still mad about me asking that question of Colonel Mo Davis in the, in the debate with Madison Cawthorn. Look, I said this at the time. All Davis had to be was not insane. That's it. That's all he had to be. Just not crazy. And I don't know if he would have won, but he would have had a much better chance. But alas, (laughs) we're going to talk to Corey Valancourt from the Smoky Mountain News uh, in the next uh, hour about that race. Well, not the Mo Davis, Madison Cawthorn race, but about what's going on now. In Cawthorn's district. Okay, so last night, the uh, Spectrum News uh, Network, it's a network of, yeah, I guess it's a network. It's not over the air broadcast. Okay, I'm down the rabbit hole. All right, three candidates for the GOP Senate nomination met for a debate at Spectrum News. Army combat veteran Marjorie Eastman, former Governor Pat McCrory, and former Congressman Mark Walker joined the debate. They're third in the hotly contested primary. Former Congressman Ted Budd. Was invited but declined. I don't know. I always say that. 
because that's the way Trump said it. And I heard the ads when he endorsed Bud at the at the state convention, and that's the way he said it. And now I can't ever not say it like that. Ted Bud. Anyway, uh, he was invited, but he declined to show for the debate as he has done for the previous two debates. Now, despite his absence, Bud came up frequently during the debate. He has received the endorsement of former President Donald Trump and is considered the front runner in the race. Well, that is what the polling shows. Congressman Ted Budd doesn't want to show up and he wants a promotion, McCrory said at the beginning of the debate. He acts tough on the border for a TV commercial, yet he's too weak to come to Raleigh and debate opponents. Uh, by the way, the primary election is May 17th. Early voting uh, starts on April 28th. A runoff would be held July 26th if there is going to be a runoff you got to get over 30%, and I suspect one of the candidates probably will. Um, But who knows? I'm terrible at predicting elections. I don't do it. I also try not to say, it'll be interesting to see, because that's just reporter talk for I don't know how to fill the time, so I'm just going to say it'll be interesting to see. And then they can speculate on what might or might not happen. And speculative journalism is not, it's not even really journalism. But anyway, I digress. Asked what Congress can do to help with rising prices, the candidates all agreed the federal government needs to pass a balanced budget. To quote Rick Santelli, that started the Tea Party movement in 2010, stop spending, stop spending, stop spending. Other topics, student loans. All three candidates said they opposed federal student loan forgiveness. Right, because it would disproportionately uh, bail out the middle and upper class people rather than the poor who tend not to actually go. I mean, really, if you really want to convey the message that you don't give a flying fig Newton about the working class and the poor, go ahead and forgive student loan. Go ahead and do that. Because the people who would be most agitated by you doing so, would be paying the freight for the forgiveness by way of inflation, right, taxes, higher cost of living. They're going to be paying the freight for your largesse. And they don't have debts like that. A lot of, yeah, yeah, the people who are going to be, you know, working, the blue-collar workers the uh, and the working poor, they are, by and large, not statistically speaking, as likely to have a college degree. And so therefore they don't have the kind of debts accrued that, you know, a seven year masters in, uh, you know, gender bending basket weaving, like that kind of a major. So, all right, look on the student loan thing. It's to me, you got some pretty easy ways to rein this in. First, put the colleges on the hook for the loans. Make them write the loans. You can. I understand. Look, because I am. I'm all about solutions. I understand. I'm a. I'm a realist, right? I'm a pragmatist, and so I understand there are a lot of people that are not going to be interested in unwinding the government uh, grants and the government loans and stuff. So I would just say, make them dischargeable in bankruptcy and run them through the schools. So if I go bankrupt because of the tuition and I can't get a job. You know, in the sustainability of, um, well, the yeah, the gender bending 
uh, basket weaving. You know, like if that's not a legitimate viable profession for me and I got this major at your school and I am now going to default because I can't get work, I cannot pay you back, now you're on the hook for that money. Now that's a liability on your books. And so I suspect you would have colleges making different decisions about coursework that they would offer their students. So that's, uh, that's one way to go about doing it. The other way is, you know, fire a whole bunch of the administration. There's way too much bloat in the, this is, again, it's a wealth transfer to upper middle class. That's what a lot of this, uh, a lot of, not just K-12, but especially in higher academia, uh, that's where people are going. They're getting lifetime gigs. They can't get fired out of these jobs and they're just sucking up taxpayer dollars, and it's a jobs program for them. It's a wealth transfer to the upper middle class. So uh, that, that's another way to get at it. War in Ukraine. Big issue addressing a question about the U.S. role in Ukraine. All three candidates said they support Ukrainians in the war with Russia. They also all agreed that the U.S. should not send troops. On immigration, They were asked what they would do about uh, border security and immigration. The candidates said they would complete the wall on the Mexican border. I I don't know what Ted Budd would say. Um, Although he did have the ad at the wall, so I suspect he would probably agree with him on that. I don't know what his view on... um, Whoops, sorry. I keep doing that. I keep turning the papers over and I keep hitting this microphone. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I don't know... Yeah, I don't know what his view on the student loan forgiveness would be. Um, election integrity. All three candidates said they did not think that the 2020 presidential election was stolen. And on critical race theory, uh, all three candidates spoke against teaching CRT in North Carolina. And then here is how it is described. Critical race theory is an academic theory dealing with the legacy of slavery and racism. <laughs> I guess that's one way to describe it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. I'll get get Terry on here real quick. Hello, Terry. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you today? Hey, I'm good. What's up? First, uh, one comment, which is <laughs> the solution, actually. If they want to go ahead and give student loans, then do it as a scholarship to people that are underprivileged. And then that way you do not have to worry about forgiving anything because you're giving a scholarship and then it's paid for. Mm. Done. Right? Yeah. Online. Done. Solution. But, of course, that would be too easy. Right. Um, the other thing is um, <laughs> if you're going to forgive student loans, you better forgive my mortgage. Because I took out a mortgage to buy a house, and maybe I couldn't afford the house, but too bad you can't afford the, the you can't afford the education either, right? Yeah. So I want my house paid for. Why do I have to pay back my mortgage? I mean, right. That's the bottom line. You're, this is this is stupid. We it, are talking about stupidity at a at a level that's unbelievable. Just think about the reasonable ways to be able to solve this issue. One of them is going to be for. Um, scholarship, and I think that's really a great solution. Yeah, and one of the problems to think about it. Yeah, one of the reasons why it is so, uh, why the why the funding um, and supply and demand model is so out of whack is precisely because of the government intervention in the market, and it it distorts. And so, 
you've got people that are not connected to the actual value of what they are receiving. And so you have this incentive that drives up that price because the people are borrowing and there's no downside to borrowing as much money as possible. Because And for the lender, there's no downside because you can't discharge it during bankruptcy. So, yeah, a scholarship to forgive only for people in a certain economic bracket, I would – yeah, I mean, I think that's a more um, – again, because I'm a pragmatist, I understand a lot of people want to do this. So I would think that might be a uh, a pathway towards cooperation or compromise. I don't know if I would particularly support it, but I understand that would be a way to, to get at it. Yeah, where's the where's – the- a win-win. I mean, if you are able to get a scholarship because of academic achievement and abilities and things along that line, but you may not be able to um, to pay for that or to schooling. I mean, where's the where's the loss on this? This is a win-win. Somebody well, so wait, are you talking? Somebody, hang on, Tara. Are you talking about going forward that this that there would be no more loans? That it would just be scholarships? Or are you absolutely, saying absolutely there'd be no more student okay, loans? Okay. So, Right. So, but, no, but not unless not unless you can prove that you can pay a loan back because you absolutely have to pay a loan back. If you're not paying the loan back, sorry, too bad, so sad. Right. So, so then is this is this targeted? Then, if it's going backwards, do you then say, okay, you know, somebody went to college, they can't pay it back, but they are uh, they had good grades and they're poor, so then you give them the forgiveness by way of a scholarship. No, I don't. I don't know if okay. that would be. No, no, no. I don't think you. I it's think not going backwards. Pay back their loan. I got you. Just to pay back the loan. Are they not making? Here's the thing. Are they not making an income now? A lot of them are not. To, yeah. Because why? Because they got degrees that don't get them jobs. Well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If I eat too much and I gain weight, that's my fault. I agree. I agree. I agree. Terry, I thank you for the call. Thanks so much. Uh, along those lines, actually, I got this from Tim um, up in uh, Western North Carolina, Old Grouch's military surplus. He says, in addition to making colleges co-sign on student loans, this program from Purdue called Back a Boiler is brilliant. People or organizations, including nonprofits, can agree to pay a student's tuition in exchange for a set amount of that student's salary for a certain amount of years after graduation. Better than a loan because there's no interest and no set payments. And the backers choose the students and the courses of study to back that are likely to actually make them able to repay. So it's kind of along those lines. Back a boiler. That's a good program. Good idea. Um, and I got this, this is from app Patriot girl. She says, I think Ted Budd is not debating because he doesn't have to, he's going to win the primary easily. So why do it? He has nothing to lose by not debating. He can save it for the actual race. I, uh, and then she says, I like the new profile picture. Right. I, I did update my profile picture. Thank you. PhD weight loss and nutrition. Um, so I, yeah, I agree. That is obviously the strategy. They're ahead in the polls. They've got Club for Growth dumping, you know, millions and millions of dollars into the race. And so he doesn't have to debate because they're confident they're going to win. Yeah. And what are what are the upsides to debating for him if he gets up there and he does a terrible job, then he could lose the primary. Right. Yeah. So there's very little upside. I agree. He has nothing to lose by not debating. I disagree there. He does have something to lose. There are going to be people that won't vote for him in a primary because he won't debate. Like, I'm one of them. 
Seriously. In a primary, I don't even know if I'm voting in the Republican primary. I may vote in the Democrat primary. I don't know yet. I, I, I still got to go through my ballot. But um, because I, I, you know, may want to do a little Operation Chaos kind of stuff in the Democrat primary. Anyway, so I, I don't even know which way, uh, which primary I'm going to vote in. But I can tell you that if somebody's refusing to debate and you're going to ask me for my support and, and then you're going to go into battle against the Democrat my expectation is that there will be a debate of some kind. Unless, of course, he's just going to, what, do a Cal Cunningham and, you know, hide in the windowless basement. Trying to raise money and just not debate, not appear anywhere. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think that's a good strategy, but, like, what do I know? I'm just a radio host.